Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's work. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. How are we doing today? We good? That was terrible. We good? This side of the room's with me, this side's waking up. You'll make it for the 1145 service. That's all right, that's all right. Hey, we're glad that you're here. We're thankful that you're here. You just heard we're kicking off a brand new series today called ABCs of Financial Freedom. And here's what I know. I know that when you hear that the church is talking about money, you think one of two things. Oh, that's neat. The church is talking about money. Or you think, oh God, here we go again. The church is talking about money, right? Depending on your experience in the church, maybe this is something that you've seen done a lot. Maybe it's something you've seen done poorly. Maybe you have some thoughts about what the church is and thinks about money and all that. But let me just say to you that what we believe, and and we don't talk about money a ton here. This is the first time we've actually done a finance series in several years. But we believe that it is our responsibility to go to God's word and talk about and really teach on these principles that we believe that God talks about in his word. And so when it comes to finances, there is no shortage of scripture and and specific references and stories about what God thinks about money and how we handle money in, in a biblical way. And so we wanted to make sure that we do that. And so, you know, as we were planning out the year and several months ago, kind of looking at the things that we would preach on, uh, this wasn't just a placeholder. It wasn't just a filler. We actually felt like, hey, this is the specific time of year and the season before we get into the holidays that we really want to make sure that all of us are in alignment with what God says to us about how to manage money God's way. And so we want to talk about this ABCs of financial freedom. And I recognize that money is one of the great constants of our culture and of our lives, and yet it's one of those taboo subjects. You can almost talk to somebody, even a stranger, about almost anything in their life. Hey, let's talk about relationships. Let's talk about your job. But if you start talking about money, it's like, hey, hush up. I don't want to talk about that, right? Because it's this very secret, private subject matter that we tend to not want to talk about at all. But several years ago, we ran across a book called ABCs of Financial Freedom, written by Pastor Barry Cameron, who's a pastor out in Texas. And if I would have written the book, I got to be honest, I would have written it a little differently. There's a few wording choices and a few things that he wrote that I wouldn't have written because I'm not a Texan, right? Evidently, there's a Texan way that you say things or write things. I wouldn't have written it that way. I'd have written it like a Georgian, right? Or something, you know, maybe a North Carolinian, right? That's where I was born. And so I would have chosen it differently. But I believe the truths of this book are powerful. And I really do. This is not preacher speak or exaggeration. I really do believe that these three weeks have the potential to literally change your life. I believe that. Some of you, you walked in today, and and depending on where you're at in your finances, like this is the perfect time, the perfect moment, the perfect subject matter for you in your life. And so I believe that it carries that kind of potential. But let me just say right up front one other thing about a series like this and a subject matter like this. So often, I have heard churches start talking about money when they needed money. And they, they talked about money when there might have been a money problem. I, I've said before, but I was born on Tuesday and in church on Sunday. And if there had been like a Tuesday night prayer meeting and they would have let my mom out of the hospital, I'd have been at church on Tuesday night. So I've literally been in church my whole life, and I've heard things like this done a lot of different ways. But I want to say to you that today is not about, and the next three weeks are not about presenting something to you because there's a problem with the church's money, or there's a problem with the church's finances, or there's some kind of issue, or we're not setting you up. This is not a bait and switch where we're going to do this three-week series, and in a few weeks, there's a capital campaign that you didn't know about, and we're going to be raising money for this new... No, 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 nothing like that. We don't want something from you. We want something for you. 
And so I wanted to give you a few pieces of information related to the Canton Church finances that I thought you might find interesting just to set up this series. You may be aware that about 13 months ago, we separated. We were a campus of Mount Perry North Church down in Marietta. And we were a campus for, those thir- uh, for five years. And then 13 months ago, we separated. And when we did, they planted us in this beautiful picture of church planting. Uh, they wrote us a check for the money that had come in that was ours and still in surplus or still being held uh, in their accounts. And so they wrote us a check. $30,000 of that check was specifically allocated to the building fund and the expansion that we were prepared to do less than a year later. And so they wrote us the money that had been given specifically to that. It was designated for that purpose and had to be used for that purpose. So we had $30,000 set aside for that purpose. And then there was a little less than $30,000 other dollars that was in surplus to what we had brought in the previous year that were to be used to help pay the rent, to pay the light bill, to pay for staff and to fund the various ministries until money began to come in here at Canton Church as we became separate and autonomous. And so we worked with our trustees. We have three trustees. They are volunteer lay leaders from within our church, out of our eldership. They, they meet with us on a regular basis. And so I met with them and we work to craft a budget. Our fiscal year, or our financial year, begins October the 1st and runs through the end of September. So we actually haven't completed our first full financial year. And so October the 1st started a new budget. And so we work together to create that budget and what we did based on the trends and the projections and all the history and all the things that we could pull data-wise together, we created a budget of right at $466,000. That was the budget for this first year. And those were just the monies that were your tithe dollars, those tithes that you mark as tithe or those tithe dollars that you mark as church ministries. And so those funds came together to create that budget. This does not include missions, benevolence, generosity, or the building fund. Those are offerings above our tithe and they're designated and so that's not included in the budget. And so uh, last October, we started in that budget year, $466,000. Now we've got about two weeks left in the fiscal year. If you're tracking with us through the end of September, right now, our latest projections as of the end of this past week, we are projected to bring in just over $560,000, all right? Which means that we would have a surplus of almost $100,000, All right, and that was a great opportunity for you to clap right there and celebrate what God has done. Go ahead and warm up your clapping hands. There may be two or three other moments here. Don't miss those, all right? So you say, okay, $100,000. Whoa, that's, that's surplus. Where is that going? All right, well, let me tell you. So I told you that last year when we separated, we got that money from Mount Perry North that had been given to us before we separated. We didn't have any reserves, no money in savings, no rainy day fund, no pun intended. It's raining outside. So no rainy day fund. And so we began with our trustees to establish a reserve or a savings account that we would have for, you know, for rainy days or whatever that we needed. And so uh, we began to establish that fund and to fund that throughout the year. And some of those surplus dollars were given towards that. And right now we've got about $40,000 in reserves to help us in good stewardship to make sure that we're financially solvent and secure and and prepared for whatever comes. And we're drawing about 2.75% interest on those funds. It's liquid, which we're really excited about. And so we've got some reserves there. We're going to continue to fund that account to the level that we believe is good stewardship for us as a church. Now, I told you that in the midst of that, we were planning to expand our facility. And for a new and young church, it's like, oh, wow, we're going to undertake this other project above our tithes. Like, how are we going to do this? So since October of last year, we, we knew, hey, this is where we're headed. And I presented the need to you. I said, hey, if we will create empty space, we believe that God will fill it. And he has. 
And so over this last year, we've continued to see new people come into our church. And we expanded the facility at the end of last year from about October, November into late January, early February. And not only are our finances growing, our attendance is growing. Last week, we had the highest regular Sunday, non-Easter, non-holiday service attendance we've ever had in the history of our church, which beat the record from two weeks before, which beat the record from like a couple weeks before. Like God is continuing to bring new people in every single week. And so we, we believe that God is honoring that expansion. And so since October of last year, we've spent about 211,000 non-budgeted dollars towards this facility expansion. And many of you pledged and you gave funds specifically for that project. And so when we moved into the facility at the end of January, into the expanded space, we ended up being about $60,000 short and so what we did at that point is we, with the, with the uh, advice of our trustees, we opened up a line of credit that we were planning to pay off no later than 36 months. And it was about $60,000, $65,000 to help pay off the balance of that account. So 36 months was the plan. Well, we paid the final payment on that this past month, seven months after we opened it, and 30 months earlier... All right, so set that aside for a second. Remember that a mile and a half down the road, we own 40 acres of property, debt-free, over $2 million value there. We're working with our trustees, the land developers, trying to make sure we're positioned for what God may have for us and what our long-term home would be. So between that and our current facility and expansion, we have zero debt as a church. We're completely, completely, yeah, absolutely, debt-free. Which is, I'm connected to a lot of pastors and a lot of churches. That's unheard of for a church our size, with our history, with, that we've been able to accomplish. And so what we did is we took some of that surplus money and we were able to pay off with those that continue to give towards the building fund. We were able to then pay off the remainder, a remainder of that balance. And we're, we have no debt, which is incredible. So then I talked about missions. These are over and above our tithe dollars. And so I said, hey, you know, we, we give to missions. We have a mission strategy to have a partner on every continent. So far, we haven't found a partner on Antarctica, but whenever we find one, we'll fund it there as well. But other than that, we have a partner currently in Asia, Johnny Moore. We have a partner in Africa, which is Paris Bridge. We have a partner in South America, which is Casa Shalom Orphanage. We've actually got a team we're sending there in about four weeks, which we're pumped about. First missions trip to one of our partners. And we have a partnership here in North America with the Association of Related Churches, which is the ARC Church Planting Network. And today, actually, to this Sunday morning, they are planting 21 brand new churches here in the United States. And we get to be a part of that, absolutely, through our missions giving. And so here's another number that I am pumped about. As of this past Thursday, we exceeded $100,000 given to missions for us as a church. That's $101,000. If I'm not mistaken, it's $101,611.28 or something like that. I mean, it's, that's an exciting number for me. And let me just say, today's not the day to talk about it. But in my heart, where I believe God's leading us, I believe there will be a day in the not-too-distant future for us as a church where we give away $1 million a year to missions. To be able to say, God, whatever it is you're doing around the world, we want to be a part of that. We want to fund that and help people that may be under-resourced to be able to accomplish what God's placed in their heart. And we are pumped to be able to get ready and to get excited for that. But God has blessed us financially. Now, I told you that as a part of that, the, the finances are growing, the attendance is growing. And I said earlier this week in an email that I send out every week, and some of you read that, I said, hey, we have a big announcement today. And no, the big announcement is not that Corey and I are pregnant, Okay. Some of you sent back and reply, you and Corey are pregnant, right? 
no, and now we're no longer friends on Facebook. I just unfriended you when you said that. So no, we're not. Uh, but as our attendance has grown, we have been looking to add to our ministry staff. We have an incredible team here that God has blessed us with. And, and so we've been looking over the last few weeks and months to, God, what is it that you might be doing and how might you be leading others to join this team so that we can care for and minister more effectively to those that are a part of this church and a part of this larger community? I want to ask Steve and Jess and Casey and Haley to come to the stage. I want to introduce you to some folks. Some of you have met them. Some of you have not met them. Uh, but over the last few weeks, they have, they have joined our team in, in a variety of capacities. You actually just saw this first couple on stage just the last few minutes. This is Steve and Jess Mallow right here. And this is Gideon. Gideon, when you give me knuckles right here, I tried to get a high five last time. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, this is Gideon, and you guys are pregnant, right? And due December 4th, right? Uh, they live between Canton and Cartersville on Highway 20 and uh, have just joined our staff to oversee our worship ministry. And absolutely... <laughs> We're pumped, pumped for that, and, and so excited that, uh, for all that God's going to continue to do to grow this ministry and the people that are a part of this ministry. Uh, and we think, Corey and I do, that you're going to love this family and this couple as much as we already do. And so we're excited for that. The second couple that's up here is Casey and Haley Commence. They join us from just outside of Cincinnati, and they will oversee our student and connections ministries. Uh, this is middle school, high school, and then even now some new ministry efforts we have for college students and young adults. And then connections, helping new people get connected here into the church. Now, they went to a Clemson game yesterday and an Ohio State game a couple weeks ago. So just pray for them that God would just help them just to kind of get their life right and choose a team here uh, that many of us would, you know, Tennessee, go Vols. But anyway, but um, no, we want to pray for them. No, but you guys are also pregnant uh, due December 21st. So here's what we're doing. Listen, we're just trying to grow a th church through the nursery is really what we're trying to do. And so if you are pregnant and would like to apply to join our team, we would, no, I'm totally kidding. We didn't know that when we were started to talk to these folks. But again, we're so excited about these two couples and the ministry that they are going to oversee, the ministry they're going to, and just to be able to join this team. So would you one more time just give a hand to them? Thank you guys so much. Now, some of you might say, well, what about Pastor Trevor and Lauren? I thought they were overseeing students. Are they leaving us? No, no, no. They can't get rid of us that easy. Um, as we've grown and as things have continued to progress, one, as we prayed through and really sought the wisdom of the Lord, we asked Pastor Trevor to step into a role just to help me with overseeing a lot of the administrative function of the church. Uh, and so his new title would be administrative pastor. And he's still going to do a lot of the things that he was already doing, but he'll oversee some new things to just really take uh, some of those responsibilities and help us to thrive in even greater, greater ways. But, but here's, here's what I want you to know. God is blessing our church. And the reason that I set that up today and tell you these things today is so that you can see my heart. I'm not about to teach on money for the next couple of weeks because we need something from you. I, I genuinely want something for you. I want you to be obedient to God. I want you to trust God in the ways of your personal finance. I want you to do all the things that you believe God is calling you to do and what comes right out of God's word. But this is not because there's a problem. This is, in, in, in the purest motives I can say, this is what we believe in, the, in this spot in our calendar is the perfect thing for us to spend a few weeks discussing out of God's word. Because again, everybody has a present financial picture. And I don't know what yours is, but everybody has a present financial picture. Wherever you land with what God is doing or what you're doing in the area of your personal finance. And I wanted to show you a couple pictures. Maybe your financial picture looks like this. Maybe it looks like a cruise ship. 
Like, I think some of my friends are on a cruise this week, and I, I'm mad at them and, and, and thought ugly thoughts. Just pray for me. I'm praying through some stuff there. But, you know, they're on a cruise. But maybe that's your financial picture. It just seems incredible. It seems like vacation all the time. There's just money. Anything you want to do, you can do. I mean, all-you-can-eat buffets all day long. Soft-serve ice cream anytime you want it. That's the best part of cruises. Pizza and ice cream anytime you want it. And so maybe this is what your present financial picture looks like. Or maybe it's not quite to this level. Maybe it just looks like this. It's just a normal day. Not a ton of stress, just kind of walking through life, walking through your days. So things, things seem to be pretty healthy. Things seem to be pretty, pretty good right now. And so maybe this is your present financial picture. Maybe it looks like this. Maybe, maybe there's some storm clouds in the distance. Maybe things aren't terrible right this second, but there's some issues a little ways off, and you see them coming. You see some bills that are coming due, some needs that are arising in the near future, and you're not sure how you're going to pay for them, and you're not sure how it's going to happen and how it's going to work, and so you're not really sure. And so maybe this represents your present financial picture, or perhaps it's even worse than that. No insensitivity because of what's happening right now in our country, but maybe it looks like a storm. Maybe your present financial picture genuinely looks like the winds and the waves are crashing on you and you don't know how you're going to survive. I had somebody after the first service tell me that this one stopped short of what their financial picture is. They needed a picture of them drowning in the water just asking someone to throw them a lifeboat. I don't know what your financial picture is currently. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what things are happening in your finances, but I, I, I told you up front, and I genuinely believe this, if you'll hang with us these next three weeks, I believe that God could literally change the trajectory of your life for you and for the future generations of your family, and you could come become financially free. So the question becomes today, how do we change our present financial picture? How do we change whatever it is that's happening in our finances currently? I want to give you quickly four ways to change our financial picture. Four things we need to change our financial picture. The first one is this. We have to have a vision. We have to have a vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. Without a vision, people perish. Your translation may say that they cast off restraint or go their own way. Without a vision, people perish. Well, most people don't have a vision for their financial future. Most people don't have a vision for what they want their finances to look like and what they want to accomplish. But what if your financial picture didn't have to look like what it looks like today? What if the reality today is not what it had to look like two years from now, five years from now, six months from now, six years from now, or longer than that? What do you dream of financially? What are those things that if you could, like, if money were no object, this is what we'd do. This is what we would have. What are those one or two or three or five things that would change if your financial picture changed? What do you dream about financially? Well, the reason that so many of our financial pictures don't look how we wish is because we are more focused on our nearsighted desires than our farsighted dreams. I go to the eye doctor about once a year or so because they make me. They won't give me new contacts or eyeglasses unless I go to, I'm not really sure why, Again, pray for me, I'm working through that. But, but I go to the eye doctor and I sit in the chair and they put that thing up against me and I'm looking through the little hole and they're like, all right, which one's clear? One or two? Two or three? Three or four? And I gotta be honest, they all look the same to me. I, I, can't, I can't really tell a difference. And so I'm like, well, there's one fuzzy one and then all the rest look the same. And so I'm like, they're like two or three. And I'm like, can you go back? Can, can you go back four? Can you go to three? Can you go back to two? Can you go back to three? Is there a six? Can I see a six? Is there anything? 
And I, I mean, like, I don't, I don't get it. I just, they, so I'm, I'm trying to guess and I'm hoping that it doesn't put me in fuzzy contacts for the next year. I'm not really sure, but I'm like, I, yeah, they all look the same. I don't know. You blew in my eye a minute ago in the other machine and now I can't see anything. And no, I don't want you to do that. I don't want to pay extra money for you to stick a Q-tip in my eye. I'm not, but here's what the end of this thing, they tell me that I'm either farsighted or nearsighted, Right. They tell me that there's some things that I can see up close and there's some other things that I can't see far away or vice versa. And in the area of our personal finances, so often we are more concerned with our nearsighted desires than we are our farsighted dreams. And so what happens is when I asked you just a minute ago, what do you dream about? What's the one, two, three, four, five things that you just, you wish you could have or that would change if you, if you had a little more money or you had a few less expenses or you had a little less debt? Like how many of those things could you buy in the next three months? How many of those things were talked about in Apple's event this past week? Like how many of those are just like, we're really focused on the nearsighted desires versus how many of those things are 10 years away, 15 years away? relies on compound interest to really make those things become a reality. So often we are focused on our nearsighted desires more than our farsighted dreams. But we have to have a vision related to our finances so that we can change our financial picture. Not only do we need a vision, the second thing we have to have is we have to have right thinking. Most of us have wrong attitudes and wrong beliefs about money. And the reality is that we don't think we're the problem. We are convinced someone else is the problem. That would be like if I went to McDonald's three meals a day, every single day, supersized it all, got it all, did it all, ate it all, and then I sued them because I was obese. The problem's me. The problem is the decisions that I'm making, the choices that I'm making, the things that I'm buying, the things that I'm ordering, and what I am putting into my body. That, the problem is me. Well, in the area of our finances, we are so quick to want to blame other people or want to blame other circumstances and refuse to look inside of ourselves and go, hey, maybe I'm the problem. You know, when I do premarital counseling, so often if, if a couple in premarriage has struggled in the area of finances or really coming up with a game plan, you usually come pretty quickly to the reality some married couples in the room have already determined. Usually one of us is a spender and one of us is a saver. And if you can't figure out how to reconcile that and work together in that, it creates a ton of problems. But there's a huge problem in marriage when the spender wants to blame the saver for the problems that they have, when maybe there's some issues with the spender, or vice versa. When there's not some things we need in the home because the saver just won't come off the pocketbook and say, hey, we got to do, and it could be a wallet. I'm not talking about women. It could be anything, right? To say, hey, we need some things, but I don't want to spend the money. I'm afraid. I'm a no, no, no. What if I'm the problem? In the area of my finances, what if I'm the issue? Well, King David had something to say about this idea of right thinking and viewing money the right way. This is in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, beginning in verse 10. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You're exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. 
David's attitude toward money was that he believed it all came from God. He believed that it all came from God. He couldn't even give back to God except what God had placed into his hands. It all came from God. Now the question is this, do do we actually believe that? Do we actually believe that everything that we have and everything that we don't comes from God? Or do we believe that everything that we have is a result of our hard work and our effort and our work ethic and our good habits and spending and saving and all? Do we believe that it depends on us or do we believe that it depends on God? We talked earlier this year, earlier this fall in in a different series about the foundation of our lives. And if our foundation is built on our hard work and our good work ethics and being smart and being wise and reading the right newspapers and looking at the right websites and investing in the right things, if we believe that that's our foundation, I promise you that there will come a day when the storms kick up and that will not sustain you. But if the foundation of our life is God and Him as our provider... We will never lack. We will never lack. It doesn't mean that things won't get tight from time to time. It doesn't mean that there won't be moments when we have to make hard decisions. But we believe that everything comes from God. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 says this, For as he, as a man, thinks in his heart, so is he. Our attitudes and our beliefs about money affect our reality. They actually create our reality. If we believe that money is just a necessary evil then we can never change our situation. We can never change our reality. We can never win in the area of finance. We have to believe that our financial picture can be different because God wants it to be different. We can believe, we have to believe, have the attitude and belief that God wants us to be in a place where we are not stressed out all the time about money. And so to do that, we have to see him as the giver of all good things. Which leads us to the third thing that we all have to have to change our financial picture. We have to have the right attitude toward God. When it comes to this area of our money, at the end of the day, it ultimately comes down to an issue of control. Control. Now, perhaps you have prayed a prayer in your past at some point where you asked God to forgive your sins. And, and, And I affirm that. Because we, we provide that opportunity at the end of every single message, at the end of these moments in our service. We want God to forgive your sins and become your Savior. But we also believe that what Scripture calls for is that He would also be the Lord of our lives. And Lordship is about leading and guiding. And ultimately, in some ways, it is about control. And so to allow Him to be the Lord of your life, you are saying to Him, God, I give you control. I was behind a truck the other day that had a bumper sticker that said, God is my co-pilot. And if that's your truck, I'm not about to make fun of you. You may want to take it off after this, though, so people don't see it's yours. Because God is not your co-pilot. If you give your life to God, God is the pilot. You just get to ride, right? You just get to be a part of the journey that he's taking you on. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is in control. If he's the Lord of our lives... He's in control. But here is a truth that I believe will guide us over these next three weeks. And it's been true for me. So I'm I'm talking for me as much as I'm talking for anybody else. Until God has your wallet, he doesn't have your heart. Until God has your wallet, he doesn't have your heart. Coming out of my teenage years into college and even into early adulthood post-college, I really struggled with this idea. 
There wasn't a lot of money at that point, and, and I struggled to give God everything because I wanted to hold on to this. It wasn't that I was not trying to honor God through tithes and giving. It wasn't that necessarily. It was just that I wanted the control of it. I wanted to determine when I could afford to honor God in this way and when I needed to hold it back because I couldn't afford it. And what I quickly realized is that I couldn't afford to cheat God out of what was rightfully his. Because I wasn't giving God my whole heart because he did not have my wallet. It was a control issue. And so for me, I had to really release that to God and say, God, I, I give you every part of me, even the parts that stress me out, even the parts that scare me. I have to believe what David said, that everything belongs to you anyway. You know, in Luke chapter 12, I was reading this earlier this year as a part of the, the Bible reading program that I do on a regular basis. And in Luke chapter 12, there's this story that Jesus tells, it's called a parable. It's a story that Jesus used to illuminate this larger concept. And my Bible, the heading of it, says that this is the parable of the rich fool. I pray I'm never called that, but the rich fool. And it tells this story about a man who gets an abundance of his crop. This is what it says beginning in verse 16 of Luke 12. This won't be on the screen. It says, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? I'll build bigger barns, he said. And God said, tonight, your very life is going to be taken from you. Now, when I read that, I thought, man, this is Old Testament God. This is not New Testament God. Like, what made God angry? But the reality here is that what God was saying is, listen, it's all mine. Like, your life is in my hands. The possessions that you have are controlled by me anyway, it's not about living or dying. It's about where do you view yourself in the economy of God? This man thought he was in control. I'll just build bigger barns. I'll tear down what I have and build bigger barns and store them up for myself so that I don't have to work anymore to do anything. I just eat, drink, and be merry. And God said, no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's larger than that. What you think in your heart, that's what you are. That's the reality of your life. And God wanted him to know he wasn't in ultimate control anyway. So I've got to have a vision I've got to have right thinking. I've got to have the right attitude toward God. And then the fourth thing is this. We have to change our actions. We have to change our actions. So what we've been talking about here is that we've got to trust God. For some of us, that's a huge change. We actually have to trust God and believe that God is in control. And believe that God is a good heavenly father that wants good gifts for his children. And believe that God desires to give us the things that we need. And even those things that we want, those desires of our heart. But we have to ultimately trust him. And release the stress of our finances. And release the cares and the burdens of our finances. And whatever that present financial picture looks like. We've got to trust God like never before. God alone is the one who can help make the financial picture look different. But then we have to do a second thing. We have to practice self-discipline. That, that nearsighted desires versus farsighted dreams. Sometimes we have to say no to what we want now so that we can say yes to what we need most. And so we've got to practice some self-discipline. For some of us, the best thing that we could do is just say no to purchasing something that we really, really want right now. 
Maybe not no forever, but no for a few days or a few weeks. And just break that inside of us that says, as soon as I want it, I have to have it right now. That's the power of fasting. We're not even talking about fasting right now. But the power of fasting is being able to say to your body, you are not in control of me. I don't have to give in every time I have a desire to go and eat, every time I'm hungry. And so we use fasting as the example of, okay, I am actually able to practice self-discipline. Well, the areas of personal finance, I've got to trust God and practice self-discipline. And I've got to be able to say no to some things that I want. Because here's what we all know in this room. Getting into debt is easy. You know what's hard? Getting out of debt. Making bad financial decisions, that's not hard. But the hard things are correcting those previous bad decisions. So what price are we willing to pay to change our financial picture? Are we willing to say no to some things that we want? Are we willing to trust God like never before? Are we willing to take those the, the hard steps and, and make the, the hard changes that are necessary if we're married? Are we willing to have the hard conversation with our spouse about getting us on the same page related to our finances and what we believe? Or maybe there's something that we can do just to say, God, I, I want to make sure that even if it's hard right now that I'm actually making some change for me and for future generations of my family. Dave Ramsey talks a lot about finances some of you love Dave Ramsey. You've bought into everything that he's ever said about personal finances. Some of you think Dave Ramsey's the devil. Either way, he has a lot of good things to say, a lot of good things that I love. But he makes this statement. He says, we have to live like no one else now so we can live like no one else later. We have to make some hard decisions now. We have to say no to some things right now so that down the road we can live like no one else because we have margin and we have some gains that we've received so that we're able to use those for the kingdom and to enjoy what God has blessed us with. So we have to live like no one else now so we can live like no one else later. So two questions today to wrap up our time. The first is this. What is your attitude toward money and toward God? What is your attitude toward money and toward God? Do you believe that God owns it all? Do you believe that God is the giver of all good things? Do you believe that God is a heavenly father, a loving father that wants to give you the things that you need? Do you have the right attitude towards money and towards God? Or do you think that it's all dependent on you? Do you think that it all depends on you and your effort and striving and working? And, or do you trust and believe that God is in control anyway? And the second question is, what changes are we willing to make in order to change our financial situation? What changes are we willing to make to change that present financial picture? Well, one of the things that we want to do to help you in making those changes, if you feel like it would be beneficial, is we're offering in October a four-week life group called ABCs of Financial Freedom. And it, if you sign up for this group, it's available now. You can go online to our website, sign up for the group, if you sign up for this group, we want to give you this book for free. I told you, I believe that it will change your life. I don't just say that. I rarely say that in ways that seem to be exaggerated. I believe it could change your life for someone. If you're the guy or the girl that feels like the storm is brewing or you feel like you're walking through a storm right now or maybe you feel like you're drowning and you need somebody to throw you a lifeboat or a life raft, maybe this book is it. We want to give it to you for free. To, to join the group, we're just asking you to pay like five bucks for the workbook 
So you have some investment in your time. But we want you to sign up and be a part of this group. It's led by Bob and Pam Frisbee, one of the great couples of our church. And they want to help lead you in this process of evaluating and really breaking down God's word and looking at the practical numbers of your life and how to make some changes. And if you're willing to make those changes, we want to help you. So maybe you go and sign up for that group and jump into that group in just a few weeks. But I told you, we come to moments like this in our service. We want to give you the opportunity to respond, every person in the room. And so I want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment with nobody looking around. It's just a moment of personal reflection between you and God. You would say, God, what is it that you're saying to me today? God, what is it that you're calling me to today? God, what is it that you're accomplishing in this moment? How are you challenging me and my attitude towards money or maybe towards you? What changes do you want me to make? What conversations do you want me to have? God, help me to understand. Well, for some of you, as you sit here today, you recognize that the first change that you need to make is that you need to acknowledge that he is not the Lord of your life. And so you need to accept him as the Lord of your life. Maybe you've prayed for him to be your savior and forgive your sins, or maybe you haven't. You say, God, I need you to take control of my life. I've been holding on to the control of a lot of areas of my life, and I, God, I give it to you now. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. You can put it right back down. So many hands today, both of our services. Anybody else? Now, if you would say to me, Jeremy, it's not about salvation. It's not about lordship. But I want you to pray specifically for me in the areas of finance. I've got some money issues right now. And I need some wisdom. I need God's provision. I, I just need to know how to walk this out. I need God to pull some of this stress off my life and help me or help our marriage. Or, and I just need you to pray about my finances. Would you lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Look at me right here. Everybody looking at me. Everybody, whether you raise your hand or not. I promise you this week, I'll be praying for you. I promise you I will. I, God doesn't want you stressed out because of money. It's his anyway. He owns it all. And in both of our services, there were tons of hands that went up. And I want you to know, I give you my word this week as I pray. I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that God would provide supernaturally if you have those kind of needs, that God would relieve that stress, God would help you. Because I want you to know that God has better for you than that. And this week, as our attitude changes, as we apply what we've heard, I want you to know that I'm praying for you, that you'll take the steps that are necessary, have hard conversations, cut the cards up, go and do something that seems crazy so you gotta live like no one else now so that you can live like no one else later. Whatever it is, whatever God's speaking on your heart, I'm gonna pray that God gives you the confidence and the courage to take those steps. So I want you to stand with me, everybody in the room. I want us to pray together for everybody that lifted their hands today and then we're gonna worship together. But I want you to know I'll be praying for you this week. God, we love you and we thank you today for everything that's been done. Across both of these services, God, you've met with us. You've moved in powerful ways. And God, now I pray for every hand that was lifted, asking you to be the Lord of their life. God, I thank you that they have chosen to, to give control to you. That's a hard thing, God. I recognize that's not an easy thing. But God, right now, I pray for every hand. And God, I pray this week that you'd give them the confidence and the boldness to just release control back to you. Give it up. Give it to you. And God, I ask you to do supernatural things in their life. And God, right now, I'm praying for every hand that was uplifted that just, they want prayer about money, prayer about their finances. God, would you meet their needs? Would you step into those circumstances? Would you give them peace that passes all understanding to guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus? 
God, right now, would you just let that load be lifted off of them as they give control to you, as they recognize that all good things come from you? God, would you help them to have hard conversations? Would you help them to make difficult changes? But God, let them know that you are with them right now. And when they walk out of this place, when they get into their car, and when they go to their house, God, would you let them know right now that you are with them in the midst of their circumstances? God, we thank you today that as we change our attitude about money, as we recognize you, as we recognize that it all comes from you, that God, you wanna do more than we can imagine. And God, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga. 